welcome to McDowell. Hey, we're going to continue this series, the Sermon on the Mount, Walk This Way. And you missed it. I, you might have picked up on it. But Lindsay here today, she was wearing the three-stripe shoes, which back in the day, Run DMC, Walk This Way. Anyone? Can anybody remember? Now that's all you're going to be able to see later when they... When she comes and leads us in worship again, you're going to be looking at the shoes. But I, she was wearing them this morning. I was like, did you do that just for the walk this way? Or, um, so we're going to continue this series. Now, we say that, we, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. We say it's Jesus' most famous teaching, which it is. But it's not just, it wasn't intended to just be a sermon. It was intended to, to inspire and encourage people in a certain direction of life. Those who were listening, and then, you know, down, down the years, to, to us today, it's not just a sermon. Sometimes when we think about sermons, we think of someone just giving information that we hear and take in and think about. But what Jesus wanted to do with his disciples was inspire them. Now, we're going to play a little game this morning. You ready for a little game? All right, here we go. Some of you love, some of you come just for the games and welcome. It's good to have you in the room. Most of you know, because I share it freely, I love classic rock and roll. And there's some good classic rock and roll trivia. What we're going to do today is we're going to give you one song. How many classic rock fans do we have? Any classic rock fans? All right. How many of you have ever heard a classic rock song? Okay, so everybody can play. And um, this particular song I'm going to ask you some trivia questions after you hear our incredible band play it. And so you, if you pull out your phones and Google, you cannot do that. You are disqualified. <laughs> I'll ask your neighbor to point you out if you have your phone. No Googling of this. And if you know the song, we want to invite you to sing it with us. Can you do that? Okay, you ready? All right, let's see if the band can play it. Let's see if you can recognize it. Okay, so um, we're gonna keep the music. We're gonna keep the music going, just a little bit in the background to see if you can't identify. Now I'm gonna ask the easiest question first. What movie did this song appear in in a way that most of you will probably remember? Iconic movie, Forrest Gump. Okay, how many of you got the Forrest Gump? You got that one? Okay, we're gonna get a little bit more difficult. What band? performed this song first? 
Wow, Buffalo Springfield, very good. We've got some classic rock fans. Some of you didn't get that one. You were like, oh, that's a little bit difficult. Who wrote the song? Arlo, Arlo Guthrie, no. Salander, no. Crosby, close. Stephen Stills, very good. Stephen Stills of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Can you name the two primary artists in Buffalo Springfield? One of them was Stephen Stills. The other one, Neil Young, very good. Well done, well done. Thank you, ma'am. Now, um, so what's, what's interesting about this song is most of us, it was interesting, I just watched the room. Most of you sang along because you know the, the tune, just the quick, you know, first couple notes, you pick up on it and you're like, oh, I know this song. Stop, children, what's that sound? Like you just kind of, it's in your mind, whether it was because you were alive and you heard it when it actually came out. The song was written in like the, the mid-60s and probably was released, I think, 67, 68. And um, let me ask you, this song, what do you think it was talking about? Protest. Protest? Vietnam War? Kent State? I hear someone say Kent State. A lot of different things that you would think the song was written about. The song actually was not written about any of that. And if you listen to Stephen Stills talk about why he wrote the song and you read the lyrics, um, he said he really had none of the protests in mind. It wasn't written as a protest song. Uh, he says that um, he wrote it. Buffalo Springfield got their start on the Sunset Strip in L.A., like a lot of bands in the 60s. And what was happening was these bands were playing late at night, and there were some business owners on the Sunset Strip that just could not stand these musicians and kids out on the streets late at night. So they worked with the city council to uh, enact a curfew at 11 p.m. on the Sunset Strip. And uh, in the mid-60s, there was a little bit of a riot, the Suns Sunset Strip riot, where uh, some of the bands came out to protest the curfew, and that's what the song was written about. It was a protest song, but not about the war, not about the things that we often think of. Uh, um, you know, there's so many pieces to that. It was written to protest a curfew on the Sunset Strip in the mid-60s. Isn't that interesting? how a song is written with a particular idea in mind and the song took on a life of its own and it became really a protest song. When you hear that song, you might even, if you lived through it, you might even picture signs being held up. There's a man with a gun over there. The reason he wrote that was uh, when the, the riot happened, there were less than 1,000 people who showed up at the riot, so it wasn't like a huge riot. But uh, when the riot happened, the city sent the police force, which was there was a man with a gun over there because the police force was hanging out to make sure nothing crazy happened. And I think they did away with the, uh, I think the song worked. They did away with the, the curfew. You can go read about all that later. None of that matters. So what does this have to do with the Sermon on the Mount? You gotta, you gotta hang with me this morning. 
if you want to know what this has to do with the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, and I think the reason Matthew, as he organized his teaching, the teachings of Jesus, to, to give us the, the stories of Jesus in his gospel account. Matthew was the first of, of the four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I think the reason Matthew organized his material the way that he did is because this sermon, in it, Jesus is inspiring, encouraging, giving an anthem, come on, to his followers. He is, he is launching a movement. And he was very clear on the kingdom that would come from a group of people living in a certain direction. And there's so many beautiful pieces of this message, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. There's so many pieces of it, and we've been walking through it. And uh, if you've missed some weeks, you can go back and jump in and listen. And what we get to today, I think, is a, a central piece that we often miss the intent behind it. And so stay with me. We'll come back to Buffalo Springfield at some point. Now, I, I have to admit, there's a piece of the message, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, that feels like there's some tension and that Jesus is saying two very different things. And so I want to be upfront and honest. And some of you might, if you read, you might say, is Jesus saying two different things here? Is he being consistent throughout the message? And I think we should be honest with what we read. Okay, are you with me? So here's what Jesus says, two different things. He says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. And then a little bit later in the next chapter, he says, don't do your good deeds publicly. So which is it? You might read that like me, and you might say, well, wait a minute. That sounds like Jesus is saying two very different things. Have you ever come across that and thought, is Jesus contradicting himself in the same message? Okay, so behind it, there's some intent. So let's, let's read the next little line that comes from each of these, just so we can, like, be clear. So let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. Motive matters for followers of Jesus. And oftentimes, we do things in order to be noticed, and Jesus says, no, don't do that. That is not what it means to be a light and be salt in the world. Do your good deeds, let your good deeds shine out so that they will reflect people's attention to not you, but God the Father and give him the praise. And so we have to walk through, as we're, as we're walking towards uh, this, this central piece that we're going to get to today, motive matters. And it matters for us. Motive matters for us. Um, there's, uh, yesterday, there was a group of about 20 volunteers from McDowell who put together a little, uh, uh, a day called, I think it was Cars 101, or they call it something like that for some foster kids in the group foster homes. And they did a number of things with these older foster kids. Number one, they helped them know and learn how to buy a car. 
it's a terrible time to buy a car, but if you have to buy a car, you need to know how to buy a car. So how do you buy a car? How do you change oil in a car? Many of these kids, like what do you do to keep a car going? Many of these kids grow up in environments where they don't hear things that many of us hear from our parents, and so they don't know. And so a group of volunteers spent a good portion of their Saturday here with 20 foster kids, helping them learn how to get a car, how to maintain a car. None of it was for their attention or their glory. We have a couple in our church who came to me a couple years ago and said, this foster thing is, like, I don't want anyone to, to know who we are, but this foster thing is so encouraging to me. Um, I, I'll write a big check every year in addition to what we already give to the church in order to see this, this mission furthered in the community. And nobody needs to know who it is, and it doesn't even matter how much it is, but if there's a need, come to us and let us know, and we'll make sure that the finances aren't a problem with it. That's what it means to have motives that are good, not about pointing to themselves. I'll tell you another quick story about generosity and the right kind of motives. I had a, uh, a gentleman and his wife uh, were here, and they saw our youth leave for winter camp. And we took a number of kids to winter camp who have never been connected to the church at all, or any church. And this family said, that probably cost the church quite a bit of money to take those kids and, and take them for free so they could get connected for the first time to the church. And we said, yeah, there was, you know, there was a little bit of investment that we made there because we think we're planting seeds that will pay off down the road. And he slipped away and came back and slipped a check and said, I want to cover those 22 kids going to camp 100% of their costs. And nobody needs to, yeah, nobody needs to know, nobody needs to know who it is or why. I just see that there's something there and I want to cover it financially. How awesome is that? Motive matters when it comes to the kingdom of God. I have rarely, and I just want to brag on McDowell for a minute. So if, you're, if you claim McDowell is your home church, this is awesome. I've rarely had anybody in this church come to me and say, Matt, here's a check. Um, I want my name somewhere. Can, can, can I have a plaque or can I have a brick? Now you laugh. But there's some other pastors in the room who would tell you a lot of times that's the motivation behind giving. And Jesus says, motive matters. Our motives matter. Why do we do the things that we do? And Jesus leads into this discussion about prayer. And when it comes to prayer, our motives matter. Did you know that? The reason we lean into prayer and connection and communication with God, the, the reasons that we do those things, it, it matters in the kingdom of God. Sky Jathani says this, I love this. So we are left with these guides. If the act is for my benefit or to bring me glory, it should remain hidden. I like that. If the act is for the benefit of others and for God's glory, we should not hide it. There's, there's, some, there's some guidelines there to help us. And then he drew this uh, little napkin sketch, which was helpful to me as well. Um, so public or private righteousness, if it makes God look, if you think about this on a spectrum, like an XY uh, spectrum, 
God, God looks good or I look good, it benefits me or it benefits others, you can see the quadrants where that should be private and hidden versus let your light shine before others so they would praise your father. Isn't that a, a great little help when it comes to motive? Like what is my motive in doing what I do? What is my motive uh, when, I, when I come before God? What is my motive when I give? What is my motive when I, I want to be a part of a cars ministry that's helping foster kids? Like what is my motive? Is it me or is it God who gets the attention? Because motive matters. And motive matters when we come to this concept of prayer. A lot of things have been said about prayer. Uh, a lot of reasons that are out there why we pray or why we might try to pray. Uh, that great theologian uh, M.C. Hammer said, we have to pray just to make it today. <laughs> I was going to have the band do that one. They passed on the opportunity. Anne Lamont said there are three essential prayers that we need to put into practice. Help, thanks, and wow. I like that. Three essential prayers. Help, thanks, and wow. Jesus gives us some really specific instructions. So what I want to do for the next couple minutes is I just want to get, you know, as baseline as we can on prayer um, according to Jesus. And I want to challenge us in a certain way, and then we're going to pray together and, and worship a little bit more. Jesus says this, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who uh, love to pray publicly on the street corners where everyone can see them. One thing that you can be sure about prayer is that prayer should not be done in a way where the attention comes to you. It's very clear. Jesus just makes it simple. Don't, don't be like the hypocrites who just pray on the street corners so that everybody would recognize them or notice them. The second thing, he goes on and he says, don't... Uh, when you pray, don't babble on and on and on and on and on and on like those who think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. I love this one. Every now and then I would hear people pray when I was a kid and it just felt like I should never pray because I don't know how. Like I don't know what those words even mean. These and nows and thouists and uh, theists and I don't know what all that means and so I definitely should not pray. And I think I've told you uh, recently, the first time I prayed, and I was a youth pastor for the very first time, and I went on staff at a church, and we went out to lunch my very first day, and they asked me to pray. A group of pastors asked me to pray. And so I started praying, and one of my friends, I thought he was my friend, in the middle of my prayer, in the middle of my prayer, he said, amen. And I was like, I'm not done yet. And he said, we're just praying for lunch. Let's eat. And... <laughs> Because, because we are, sometimes we believe that prayer is about the right words and the right way and putting on a show, especially when we're asked to pray out loud. And it's interesting, um, there, there are great scholars, and when they've been asked to pray in public, their prayers are the most simple. God, thank you for the provision of this food. Amen. Well, don't we need to pray for one another and the, that the lights are on and the color of all the seats were right? And do we need to pray? And it's like, no, no, like simple, don't babble on and on, don't pray for show, just as simply and honestly as you can be before God. That's what prayer is. Are you with me? Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And here's the deal with prayer. The more we develop this intimacy with God, the, the more that we can be honest and authentic before God and develop this, this intimacy with him, the less we will look to others for their affirmation and their attention. Because in prayer, we begin to understand that we are always noticed and seen by the God of the universe. The more you develop, the more that I develop an intimacy with God, the less we begin to look around us for the affirmation and attention from others that we're all looking for. We're all looking for that. The more we develop a habit of prayer and intimacy and honesty with God, just an openness and honesty with, with God, the less we feel a need to be noticed and affirmed by other people. Now, we all need that. We all want that. But the more intimate and connected we are with God, the less we'll look because we realize that the God of the universe, the one with the most power, the most high God, notices everything about your life, every little detail he is in tune with. How awesome is that, that the God of creation notices you in everything that you're walking through. So then Jesus gives this prayer, and this might be a little small on the screen, but I just want us to see all of it and to see what I think Jesus is doing here. Um, let, let's just read it together, okay? And, and the language is a little different uh, than maybe what you, you learned if you learned the Lord's Prayer at another time uh, with with the Shakespearean English, this is a little bit different. So stay with me, um, but let's, let's say this together. Are you ready? Can you see it? Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yeah, so uh, many of us have learned this growing up, or we've heard it. If you grew up maybe in a more liturgical background, you might have repeated this every Sunday in worship or in church, um, because it just was a, a natural part of the flow. One of the challenges when you repeat something so many times is you miss maybe what's going on within it, or you begin to ignore what's right in front of you because it's so familiar to you. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes you can say something so many times, but I think what Jesus is doing, I, I do think he's giving us an outline at some level, but really I think Jesus wanted this to become a, a prayer mantra for us to repeat over and over again. I really think these words Jesus wanted to sink down within us. Um, there's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there telling me I got to beware. Time we stop, children, what's that sound? Now, now you see how that's just in you? It's interesting. You don't even need the music. It's just in you. It just starts to come out of you. Like when, when, when we start speaking it, it's just like those things. I think Jesus was giving us something 
to be settled down into our spirits so that it would begin to just come out of us. That we would know it so well that we would return to it again and again and it would become something that led us and not just uh, connected us with God but motivated us in a certain direction. So let's just walk through it for a second. The first thing that's super clear that Jesus is teaching is that this is our Father. It's our Father. It's not just my Father. Jesus could have taught his disciples to pray, my Father in heaven, but he didn't. He taught them to pray, our Father. And listen, the table of God and the kingdom of God is so much bigger than we imagine. Come on, church. So often we want to claim God as our own and you can't have any of him unless you act and think like me. And I think Jesus wanted us to open our minds and see the kingdom is so much bigger than what I imagine it to be, right? It's our Father. I think he wanted us to keep this communal mindset. It's not just my Father, it's, it's our Father. Now, now the first half of this prayer that he's teaching is all about who? God. Holy is your name. He, he's my Father, which there's an intimacy to this relationship with the Father, but there's also this holiness to God, this majesty to God. Um, every now and then you'll hear someone, uh, a son or a daughter of someone who's incredibly well-known, and they're asked questions about, you know, what was it like to have so-and-so as a dad? You know, I mean, all the, and you know what they, they normally say? To me, he was just dad. I think Jesus is teaching that. God is the creator of the universe. He put the stars into place. He, he knit you together, like not physically with like a, a needle and thread, but in some ways God created you and me and he breathed life into us. And that same God who has all of that power and majesty, that same God is your father. When asked what the greatest commandment in all of scripture, if we miss everything else in the Bible, there's two things Jesus says that we should remember. We should love God and we should love others. Yeah, we should love God and we should love others. Those are the two things Jesus says. Everything boils down to these two things. Look at the prayer Jesus gives. The first half of it is all about who? God. And the second half of it is all about us, not me. Sometimes prayer, we think, is just a, a personal thing when Jesus is, I think, repeating again and again, love God, love others, love God, love others, love God, love others. Here's how you should connect with God. May your name be holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. And give us the food that we need, the, the, the basic necessities of life. Provide that and forgive us because we make a mess of this world. Can I get an amen from someone? We make a mess. So God, forgive us when we make a mess, when we create chaos. And we, God, in turn, will do the same thing with one another. We'll give the same grace that you give to us. We'll give that same grace to one another because we all need it. Come on, we desperately all need God's grace. And we need one another's grace in this thing called life. And don't lead us 
into temptation, but deliver us from the evil that we all will walk into at a certain part in our lives. Love God and love one another. Love God and love one another. So Jesus gives them this prayer. And I'm, I'm thankful that the prayer has become familiar to us. I, I, I want the prayer not just to be familiar to me. I want it to, to take root in me and, and grow in me. And um, what, what's interesting is in, in the times... Uh, in the first century, second century, third century, it seems like um, it, it seems like the early Christians began to repeat this on a very common rhythm: morning, noon, and night. If you've ever been in a in a culture um, where Islam is 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 very prevalent, you'll oftentimes hear the sounding of a bell that, that calls people to prayer. And some would suggest that that very practice came out of Christianity. Because Christians, early Christians, were used to calling themselves to prayer and using probably the, the prayer of Jesus as their primary prayer. And I think what Jesus is doing is he's challenging us to pray on a really regular basis, a, a very simple honest prayer. God, you are awesome. God, may your ways, may your kingdom enter into my life to be here and now, just as it is in heaven. Now, so often we think when we die, we're going to get to escape all the brokenness of this world and get to a perfect place. Don't we think that sometimes? Some of you right now are like, Lord, come quickly. Like, what Jesus teaches us is not that we're escaping earth. He's actually teaching us to pray that we would bring heaven the other direction to here. So rather than, God, I pray that you would get me out of this space, it's, no, no, God, I pray that you would invade this space on earth as it is in heaven. So what would it look like to have this rhythm of prayer three times a day? Just the, the simple prayer that Jesus taught. Morning, noon, and night. What would it look like to, in the, in the middle of our, our, of, our, of our days, so at the beginning of our day, the middle of our day, the end of our day, but in the middle of our routines that we would, we would give our attention, just, just give our attention to God. And align with him. May your kingdom come. May you, so align with him. Give him our attention in, in the morning and at noon and at night. But not just give him our attention, but that we would find him in the basic necessities that we all have. That we would find him in the, the provision that is poured out in front of us. Like there's food on the table. God, thank you. You are the one who has provided this food. And not just that, but God... I have an abundance of food. Help me see where I can share with others what you have given to me. How the same gifts that you have blessed me with become a blessing to the other people around me. The basic needs. 
if you're a manager, if you're a business owner, if you work with other people, what would it look like to invite God to show up in the middle of your day, to align with him, but then to reflect him in the ways that you manage, in the ways that you work with clients, in the ways that you share, the ways that you do business. And then just be, a, be an act of love, a force of love, a force of good. It's a reflection of God. See, prayer is a connection point with God, and that's how most of us think of prayer, but it's also a motivator. What does this have to do with Buffalo Springfield? That song, for what it's worth, became a motivator for millions of people. He didn't intend it to be that, but it became, it became the marching order. It became the voice, the shared voice of a movement in the late 60s and early 70s, didn't it? If you lived it, you know it. It became what was used. If you look it up on Google today, you will see it was like the song that inspired people to speak out, to act out, to live differently. And he didn't even intend it. Listen, Jesus intended the Sermon on the Mount to get within us and motivate us to live differently. Stephen Stills didn't intend it. It just happened. Jesus intended it. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was teaching. And sometimes we read through the Sermon on the Mount or the Lord's Prayer and we just kind of gloss over it and I think we're missing the power of a mantra. The power of a unified voice. A people. A kingdom movement. Like Jesus intended. Come on, church. Prayer isn't just about you and God. It is about you and God, but it's not just about you and God. Prayer isn't just a connection point. It is a connection point, but it's not just a connection point. Prayer isn't just us sitting back asking for God to do something. Prayer is also a motivation to become different kinds of people if we will become aware of God in the midst of our prayers. Come on. That's what it is. I'm, I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And um, in these closing moments, we're going to sing this one last song. It's called Jesus, You Alone. And it's our worship. It's our attention, our affection towards God, understanding his holiness, Jesus's goodness, the spirit within us. And as we do, there are some stations around the room, and we just want to give you freedom to move respond to God. There's candles in the back of the room, and light represents God's presence. And so maybe you want to light a candle and just ask God's presence to be with you. Maybe you want to light a candle for someone else who's disconnected from God, and you want to ask God's Spirit to show up in their life. So you can light a candle. There's communion in the back of the room, and communion is just this reminder, this symbol, this physical reminder of the body of Christ broken for you, the blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. So maybe you want to take communion on your own and be reminded. There's a prayer wall in the back, and maybe you just have a prayer. We, we just want to give you space to respond. Our Father in heaven, 
holy is your name. And may your kingdom come and may your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. God, continue to provide exactly what we need. Forgive us the mess that we make just as we forgive those who hurt us. And God, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And God, we will give you our attention and our affection and our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.